This is Seba, the Southern Fried Witch, and this is episode 25, and that is my chicken. You may hear her in the background. There is nothing I can do to stop her, so let's just move ahead. Today is actually Valentine's Day. By the time y'all hear this, this will be over, which is kind of fun with me. I've been on Facebook today like any other dumbass. And I've seen everything from outright celebration to heartbreak. There's no easy way around that this is a difficult day for some folks. And honestly, I've always kind of resented it anyway. I'm in love with my husband and we will celebrate that all the time. And if we have to be specific about it, we will be specific about it on our anniversary. Now, because I don't want to hurt his heart, and he is a cancer sign, and that is not difficult to do with a cancer when you're an Aries, I am going to go ahead and make him some homemade chocolate chip cookies. He is sick as hell today, y'all. We got the same thing. I was over it within 24 hours, and he is still barely able to breathe. So, he deserves some cookies, at least. But today, I've been doing more than just podcasting and grading. I've lifted our CSA back up, which is all about that community-supported agriculture. And I really hate to do it. It grieves me a little, mostly because I'd like to keep all the food. (laughs) And I can't afford to. Farming is very difficult, and especially when you are a small farm and trying to get started in the world, there's not a lot of income going on. And so sometimes I have to sell parts of my garden, and it does grieve me so. My decision to do so this year has been predicated by those same old financial woes. Because we are strictly organic, A lot more goes into taking care of all these things. I need everything from neem oil to special tools. And in the past, I've tried to rationalize to other folks why it costs something, why it isn't just pennies on the dollar for something like this. And honestly, until recently... I never thought to be self-reflective on why I was rationalizing, on why I was justifying that there's a cost involved. And I tell ya, I'm going to start with saying this. I am so grateful that most of y'all do not live around here because that leaves me to be free to kind of bitch a little bit about some, not all, but some of the local CSAs. I happen to know one of them fairly well. And this person, no pronouns, is a very dedicated and hardworking farmer. I'm not going to piss around about that. 
and the stuff that comes out of there tastes really good. They have a large-scale operation going on, and they've pretty much eaten up all of the chefs around here, and, you know, I can't compete. But we're going to talk about the worth of one's work today, and so I wanted to say, no, let's be more honest, y'all, I wanted to bitch that Some of these CSAs, I know personally, because they've told me so, that when they run a little low on something, rather than doubling up or giving a refund or extending their season, y'all, they run to Kroger and they pad those boxes and their people never know. I heard this one particular farmer brag about it. I'm going to leave out any possible notable details, but that kind of broke my heart a little bit when folks are thinking that they are actually supporting a CSA, a farm. They feel so good about that support. And the truth is, well, some of those farmers don't need that kind of support. They're already doing just fine. And some of them or not being honest with their customers. And I do know nobility, regretfully, is just not in fashion anymore. But this is something that I could not stomach. And that's not all. While they are local and while they are sustainable and seasonal, I happen to know that they are using pesticides and herbicides and lots of other chemicals to sustain the kind of produce that they're putting out. And I do not. So y'all, my little old country ass comes along and says, for the growing season, that's going to cost you X. And I'm being very careful about how many members I'm willing to take on because I want to be able to assure that I can fulfill those orders and do so in a way that will make everybody feel like they're part of something and I can't compete with the bigger dogs and it's just not the way it's gonna go and I've had someone ask me well why don't you just lower your price because right now if I lowered it even 10% y'all just stay with me then I'm just basically breaking even I'm worth more than that My peppers are worth more than that. My eggs are worth more than that. My pickles are worth more than that. You know, I wrote a blog. Oh, gosh, I guess it was last September sometime. I may be off on the month. And it was called The Going Rate of Peppers. And I really kind of tried to dig in deep to what I think my work is worth. And don't worry, y'all. You don't have to be a gardener or a farmer for this to matter here in a little bit. I'm getting there. But it just occurred to me that I did not want to work all year on two gorgeous bushels of poblanos and anchos and wahilos and all these gorgeous, completely organic, healthy, sun-ripened peppers. I didn't want to get 10 bucks It just wasn't worth it to me. And the going rate was really, really low. Even though all the farm stands didn't have these kind of more specialty peppers, no one was willing to pay for that. 
they really just wanted a fucking pepper. They didn't care how it was raised. And see, that's where I back out. That's where I say no. I'm not going to give all of my growing season away for something that wouldn't have even made it worth it. Now, I look at this kind of thing and I say to myself, all right, all right, I can go two ways here. Now, there are other ways I can go, but personally, I have two ways that I feel comfortable with going here. And one would be to quit farming altogether, except for myself. And one would be to put a fair price on that product. All right. I've been told I am missing an option. And that option is to lower that price to meet what these huge farmers are out there doing with their chlorine-rich water coming from city pipes and their Seven Dust and Montsano products. And I'm not willing to lower the value of what I have going on here to make that profit. I guess that makes me a very stupid farmer. And that probably means I am never going to make a lot of money, y'all. And hasn't that just been the way it's always been for me in almost every situation? You know, to me, it is an art. It is truly an art form. For me to produce this gorgeous, heavy bushel of delicious things and say, just so you know, their heritage, I've saved these seeds and I've sung to these plants and there's nothing in there but rain and sunshine. And I can guarantee that. To me, that is a more worthy thing. And yes, it does mean that I have to spend more time on it. And I have to spend more of myself and invest that. But if no one is willing to pay me that, then in my estimation, I'd rather give it away. Yeah, you heard me. To me, the folks around me who are just as broke as I am are deserving of an organic, vine-ripened, crimson-red oncho. They're more worthy than someone who is standing there negotiating me down to a Winn-Dixie price. And so I would rather give it away and make sure it's available for my children and my neighbors than I would to do that. And believe it or not, it is hard to talk even pagans into supporting this kind of endeavor. Mostly because we're all poor. Mostly. (laughs) That is true. And there's reasons why I reckon our uh, value systems don't align very well with capitalistic ideologies. But there it is. My beautiful friend, I've known most of his life, Lynn, who has been my son's dear friend, one of his best friends all of his life, comes over about once a season and he's threatened to do more and I won't let him and works in my high tunnel, works in my garden. Bless it. He has done mostly weeding, so I'm going to assure that he gets over here to do more stuff like germination and transplantation and uh, some harvesting. But he came over here about two weeks ago to help clear some of the old stuff in the high tunnel before we got to work for the year. 
And he was able to do all of it in one day by himself. I was so impressed. But some of those pepper plants had gone ahead, even though there had been a freeze and I thought everything was dead. Some of them had gone on and produced some wonderful stuff. And he ended up walking out of that high tunnel with one hell of a heavy bushel of gorgeous organic heritage peppers. The look on his face, the joy, probably had something to do with getting his fingers in the dirt, but he knew what he had. He also knew that he could not go into a local grocery store and pick those up that had been grown anywhere near here. And he knew what I'd done to make them be so delicious. So, I don't know. The more I've been thinking about it, now that I've started my CSA up again and I've put ridiculously fair prices on this thing, considering the amount of work and effort and love and magic that's going to go into it, I don't want to haggle this. I've already hit rock bottom and honestly, it's not enough. And it made me think a little bit deeper about those things that we haggle away in our lives because we don't know our own worth. And that's kind of where I'm going. And if y'all don't mind, I'd like to chat with y'all about that a little bit. Now, let me tell y'all right now, this is the way I am. And I know it could be misunderstood quite a bit. That's okay. Y'all don't have to understand me. But there have been multiple times in my life where I've truly put myself out there to build something in a community, to share something, and almost killed myself doing it. I let my price get lower and lower and lower because I'll tell y'all right now, some of us witches do not know our worth. Now, I've already said that there are times that it is best given away, and that's fine, especially if you have someone who's appreciative of what you have appreciative of what you're giving and their appreciation is all they can afford that makes complete sense to me but I have to tell you I've let people haggle with me over what my time is worth in a community and at the end of the day I walked I've done it over and over and over where I was pretty assured that I was worth more than the going rate But y'all, here's the insidious thing. This can happen in any relationship. Before you know it, you're starting to believe that you are actually not worth what you thought you were. You gotta lower that, you know? And expect less out of someone for what you're giving them. Whether that be love, attention, time, contributions, And before you know it, the more you haggle and the more you give in to that haggle, the more you believe that that is the going rate of you, your soul, your love, your attention. So here on Valentine's Day, I'm here to tell you that you never lower your worth for your love. Never. And any asshat who would ask you to expect less for that. You know what, honey? I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I do. Go adopt a dog. Let me tell you something. They need to uh, reconsider what their love is worth. 
they give so damn much of it and get so little, go find you a sweet doggy at a shelter. And unless you can find a man or a woman who will love you the way that dog will, walk. Get the hell out of there. But as a truly magical being who is working double time to wishify every damn thing in my life, I will say that everything I do has magic in it. I do mean everything. I grow Cherokee popcorn. I'm telling you that this shit is the best damn popcorn I've ever had. It is absolutely soul nourishing stuff. And I can't sell it for what someone's going to sell crap that could have come from Dollar General. This is too delicious. This is too loved. I have wrapped my arms around these stalks. I have sung to them. They were carefully raised. They were never abused. They only saw sunshine and love and I'll be damned if I'm going to sell something like that in a way that undervalues its worth in my time and my magic. But how often do we think about that in terms of ourselves? You know, it kind of puts me in the mind of a story that my grandma taught me. Okay, not taught, but told, but everything she ever said to me felt like I was getting taught. She was going through the Depression, and there were sugar rationings going on, and... She was able to put up a little bit, had a little bit there, and she always liked company. She always wanted folks to come over and have a cup of coffee and sit around and chew the fat a little bit. And she told me, she said, that she noticed all of a sudden lots more folks wanted to come around. They wanted to come over almost every morning. And those sugar rations were tight, y'all. I don't think we all understand what that would have been like. But they all wanted sugar in their coffee. And this continued and got so bad that she was running out. And what they were doing is they were saving up their store and coming and taking hers. Now, this was not a matter of my grandma not knowing her worth. I do believe in my heart, if anybody ever knew her worth, it was grandma. And not in that prideful way. In this calm, steady, deep understanding of herself, she knew what that was. So, my grandma wouldn't tell a lie, ever, under any circumstances. I have to tell you, if there was anybody who ever taught me nobility, it was this woman. Sorry for the southern segue, but I remember being, I don't know, somewhere in those teen years, I, I don't remember when, and... I was living with her for a little while, and some tomcat called me that I didn't want to talk to that night because I already had another date. And I said, tell him I'm not here. And she turned around to that telephone, and she said, she wants me to tell you that she ain't here, but she is, and I'm just going to let this phone dangle. It's up to you whether or not you hang up. I almost died. But she taught me the hard way, (laughs) and she wasn't going to lie. And one of those reasons that she wouldn't lie, one of them, was that she knew her worth. And she wasn't going to lessen it for me. Now, ain't that some shit? Uh Uh-huh. But anyhow, Grandma just got too busy 
to have coffee anymore. Got up a little bit earlier, had that coffee before the sun rose, and when folks would call, coffee was no longer on. Smart lady. Tell y'all right now, coffee's not on a lot around here anymore in my home. You see, it's really not about what we make out of it. Whether or not we gain friendships or popularity or an extra 10 bucks for those peppers, it's that someone at least gets what it's worth. And if they don't, it's best given away, especially to someone who you know you will light up their eyes for something like that, including your phone calls. Let me tell you another story. While doing this podcast, I have made one of the best friends of my entire life. Their name is Jamie, pronouns they, them, and we have just accidentally slid into the most delicious relationship. Didn't expect that. It all came from an email. You know, my girl likes to write. Now, I like to write too. Whenever I can finally get that time, I love to blog. I know y'all know that. But Jamie, they are more into the writing as an expression of love and connection. I wanted Jamie to know how much that meant to me. How these emails and this constant flow of support from California actually mattered to this little old Southern woman. And I just didn't have the same time to pour those moments onto a keyboard. And so I noticed in one of those emails that Jamie had put their phone number underneath their name. So guess what I did? That's part of my love language is to spend time with someone. I have very little of it. If I've ever spent any time with you, I must have loved you. And you know, friends like that who get what that means to me and assess my worth as fair in that instance, they will stay. That's, I guess, a luxury of being uh, almost 54. Y'all, we got a birthday coming up. I finally am getting my worth. I didn't have it as a child. There were really damn good reasons for it. One of them possibly having something to do with a mother who would tell me constantly that my worth had something to do with my looks. I was a pretty child. I reckon I might be a half-assed pretty old woman. But because that was all that was valued, that and a complete, almost cultish adherence to anything she ever wanted or said, I felt that I had to only see that worth that way. It has taken being disowned. It has taken the horrible grief of losing a mother to really make me go down into that little valley of the shadow of death and ask myself, what am I worth? I tell you what, never tell your kids that that is their worth. I'll warn you, one of the reasons why is that they're going to get old. And when they get old, If the only thing that was wonderful about them was the way they looked, oh honey, they're going to feel terrified. Now I was lucky enough to have my grandma until I was 42 years old. Most people are not. 
Okay, I was actually 43 when she died, but she wasn't really in her right mind on that year. And she was the absolute queen of teaching somebody the value of a front porch talk. That woman knew how to make you feel valuable. And while she thought I was the prettiest thing in the whole world, she had a special affinity for my eyebrows. I know it's so weird, but I have really thick black eyebrows that I keep tamed. She loved them. She said they were perfect and... She used to love to stroke him when I was a little girl and tell me what a beautiful little girl I was. She also warned me about being pretty. What was more valuable to her was that I was smart. She used to tell me when I was a really little girl that God had picked me out special, that I was some kind of mix of an angel and a demon on the earth. And I know that sounds terrifying to some of y'all, but... That made complete sense to me. (laughs) She got exactly who I was. She used to like to say, when she was good, she was just so good. But when she was bad, she was my favorite. I knew what she meant. I always did get that with her. What she meant was, when I caved to all my inner demons, she had to love me a little extra hard. I became a little bit more valuable because there was no way back out of that without that kind of love. Problem is, I put all of my warrant, you know? You know what a warrant is, right? All that warrant and credibility for the worth in me, all that was right there residing in her thumping heart. So when she passed away, I really floundered. Of course, right after she passed away, my mother disowned me. So that didn't help matters. And I also lost my job. Most of y'all don't know about that, and I've been real careful not to talk about it too much. But I did. I lost it because of my faith and a situation that was not fair and not just. And so all that loss, I think, within that time really shook me down to my core. But if everything is everything, I don't know if y'all have gone through this before, just lost shit tons of things, ended up on your ass. By the way, notice how many people take off when that happens. Not all of us can pull out of something like that, and I'm still pulling myself out. But it is a prime, rich, fertile opportunity to decide what you're worth on your own. But if we're worth something... So is our love and our work and our time. You know, it reminds me of that movie, Doc Hollywood. Ridiculous little 90s movie, but it just speaks to me so much. And there's nothing I can do about those moments where I'm drawn in by a squash festival or a cicada singing in the background. But when Michael J. Fox runs into that fence... And just rips it right up at the beginning. And that judge comes outside and and Michael J. Fox says, I'll pay you, you know, know, tell me what it's worth. And the old country judge says, you can't pay me for a fence I built myself. And I don't think we value ourselves that way. I had another friend who was working in finances, getting his finance degree, who taught me a long time ago that folks will pay more if you demand it. 
Now, I don't think he was working on the same trajectory of a moral code as I'm working on here, but what he was trying to say is you determine the worth of an object or your time or a product, not the customer, not the person, not your neighbor. Now, that does rely upon some nobility, but if you think about it in the right way, if you assess that and you say this is what it's worth, and they're not willing to pay it, why would you haggle parts of yourself away? Why would you let go of those pieces of you? Wouldn't you rather just give it away than to sell out? Now, of course, I do see the downside of this argument, and I have sold out. In multiple areas, I've had to. We still have to pay the light bill, y'all. And no, I don't think that the teaching I do online is well paid at all. And in fact, I really am looking forward to a day that I can quit that and do something that makes more sense and has better returns. But when and where we can, we should at least emulate our worth in a real and meaningful way. I'll share with y'all something I just don't want it taken wrong, but that's up to y'all. I have indeed retired from my pagan community. Now, I do not encourage this kind of thing. This was a personal decision based on what I was getting back from that community and where I could better spend my energy and my love and my time. Of course, I still have friends from that community We still get a glass of wine and we still talk on the phone. It's just that it was not any longer sustaining my own growth as a magical spirit, as a magical person. It just wasn't. And I knew that there were a finite amount of folks on the earth that it did matter to if I spent time with them. And so I shifted those gears and I looked more towards those places I could see growth. And that's not anything to apologize for. It made the most sense to me. Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes, we can make a huge impact on a small scale. And that's just as valuable as the reverse. So I reckon I'm not going to end up doing anything other than selling what I think I'm worth on these beautiful blue corn masa packages. Yes, I make my own masa and tomatoes and herbs. And if nobody wants to pay me for those, what I'll probably do is give them away. Which brings me around to the very last thing I wanted to talk to y'all about. There are a lot of things I want to talk to y'all about, but... The night is getting old, and I have cookies to make. Y'all know what? Let me tell you one more story. I'm so sorry. It's story day. I want to be just bloody honest with you. I've never believed my whole life, not one time, never, that my mother loved me. I was bad seed, as she told me. I was not supposed to be born, and I was from bad stock, and they had to cover up who my father was for 10 years. Actually, they covered it up a little bit longer than that, but things do get around in a small southern town. And I'm the oldest, and all the rest have blonde in their hair and blue eyes, and that wasn't my little short, dark-headed ass, was it? 
But what I wanted my whole life growing up was for my mommy to love me like she loved the others. Just not to be the bad kid, not to be that. And I'm grateful to my friend Jamie for allowing me to discuss this with them first. But, you know, no matter how old I get, there's always going to be a little girl in me that I have to scream and rail at. You are important. You are worthy. You aren't bad. Now, I'm sorry. I wish I was more mature. I wish I was more developed. I wish it wasn't still hanging around in my chest. But for all of my wisdom in other areas, there lies this big bloody cut where my mother didn't love me. And there's nothing, nothing I can do for that cut except to continually pour something wonderful over the top of it. To tell myself over and over that it was a lie. I have to mother myself now. I don't know if any of you have gone through this. But regardless of being that black sheep, and I do mean the actual black sheep of my family, and regardless of never feeling like I fit in, or that I was loved back in the same way that the others were, I was crazy about her. Absolutely crazy about her. She was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. I remember sometime in the 90s going down there to see her and her making this fruitcake. Now, I do not eat fruitcake. I make a mean one and I give it away to folks because I'm always trying to prove that fruitcake could be (laughs) edible. So I do a brandied one and I put in all kinds of toasted almonds and pecans and I try really, really, really hard. But at the end of the day, I don't like it. But when I would go down there to see her with my babies at Christmas, she would make it. And I would beg and it would depend on whether or not I was in her favor. And to be in her favor would cost a whole lot. But if I was in her favor... I could take home a small slab of this horrifying fucking fruitcake. And I would wrap it carefully in wax paper. And I would put it in a freezer bag. And I would hide it from the children. And when I would get to missing her, I would go slice off something very thin. And eat it slowly with a cup of coffee. And take it in and pretend that it was love. I valued that so much, so desperately, that small slab that she was willing to hand me. It may seem almost meaningless, but I knew its worth. And even with a broken little girl somewhere deep inside of me, that southern fried witch, I know my worth. I tend to spend my time now with folks who get it too. It's Not all those things we've been taught that we should be ashamed of things like pride. No, no, no. There's a real deep difference between pride and narcissism. To know that you can be a good friend and that your love and your hugs and your stories and I don't know, your fried tomatoes are something of worth and have pride in those things 
That's oceans away from thinking you're the damn best thing since sliced bread. Somewhere in there is a balance. And I think those of us who have been taught against loving ourselves have a really hard time determining our worth. But I don't know. At the end of the day, let me ask you, what is the going rate of your love? Hmm? Where are you spending it all? How is it being weighed? Is it dismissed? Do they get it? Sometimes the only payment you need is for them to look you dead in the eyes and you can see right there if they are thankful, if it meant anything to them. But if it doesn't, I'd like to reach out to those folks and say, what are you doing, honey? There are dogs at the pound that could use that. Hell, there are chickens that could use that. (laughs) There's a plant or two that could use that. Stop pouring yourself like chocolate syrup over their ice cream, honey. Sit down and pour it over yourself. There must come a time where we know what we're worth. The going rate of my love these days? Well, it really is just acknowledgement. So, I guess I've gone a little deep. I guess I've gone a little painful. But I did want to speak to this today. And I swan y'all, one more fool tells me that it's cheaper to go buy their bleached, chlorine-based, hate chicken eggs over at the grocery store than to hand me four bucks for a dozen loved, named, coddled chickens. I'm gonna smack a bitch. I know their worth. I guess the big question is, do we know ours? Love y'all. Blessed be. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the deep south.